UVic, people are very functional. People, you know, are ready to do field work and stuff like that. A lot of, like, granola core. Like, people are dressing like they're going to go hiking, even if they aren't. Patagonia clothes are really popular. A lot more, like, outdoorsy stuff. Definitely that outdoor energy, you know, Blundstones, Birkenstocks. I feel like the surfer camper clothing, where it's a lot of fleeces, Blundstones, and kind of, like, hiking gear. Thrifted style, the, like, big skater pants look vintage baggy clothes going on a lot of tiny hats if it's just like a pretty basic outfit they're in business flannel like Berta boy definitely in business Victoria kind of has the stereotype of being a chill hippie and outdoorsy city I went around campus to interview students on what fashion trends they noticed specific to Victoria and it was funny to hear how similar the answers were Vancouver Island is a beautiful place to live so it makes sense that everyone is always ready to go on a hike and explore nature. One of the many ways individuals express themselves is through fashion. However, it is also very common for people to just wear what is trending. This is heavily influenced by pop culture and evolves over time. In most cases, the general population ends up wearing similar things depending on where they live. When I was brainstorming topics for this episode, I went to some of my friends to see if they had any ideas. They started talking about how queer fashion has become trendy as of late, especially because of social media like TikTok. And as a result, sometimes it's hard to tell if someone is straight or queer because the very fashion styles that are common in the queer community are now popular and worn by people outside of this community. This made me think about the significance of fashion as a means of identity and led me to investigate queerness through the lens of fashion. Why are clothes gendered? Why do some clothing items lead people to make assumptions about a person's identity? Let's talk about that. My name is Zia Rahino and I'm your host for You in the Ring, a podcast that goes deep into issues at the University of Victoria. It's Nick here, and you're listening to CFUV 101.9 FM. Broadcasting from the traditional territories of the Songhees, Esquimalt, and Husanich people. This is a podcast focused on UVic. I wanted to make sure to include voices of individuals who are familiar with Victoria and the university. So I interviewed a few friends of mine. My name is Rachel. I use they, them pronouns. Um, I'm a student here at UVic. I'm in my second year of geography and environmental studies, and yeah, I'm super stoked to be here. Hi, I'm Lindsay. I uh, also go by they, them pronouns, um, and I study at UVic. I'm doing political science and gender studies as a double major, um, and yeah, I'm super excited. And because this is an episode about fashion, I obviously had to ask them to describe what they were wearing. I'm wearing, first of all, my necklaces. Let me tell you, it was a struggle because all my necklaces disappeared. And so I'm wearing this butterfly necklace that I never wear that my ex-girlfriend gave me. Um, And I'm wearing this chain, which I did end up finding, thank God. Um, And then I'm wearing a Harley Davidson t-shirt from Sturgis. Um, And underneath that, I'm wearing a gray turtleneck that I wish I wasn't wearing because it's really hot in here. Um, and then, which I did get warned about, to be fair. <laughs> and then I'm wearing um, a mini skirt that my sister gave me, um, which is crazy if anyone knows my sister because I've never seen them wear a skirt in their entire life. And I'm wearing uh, sheer tights 
um, and two pairs of socks, guys. Not one, but two, because over top of them, I'm wearing combat boots, which give me hella blisters, um, and they have steel toes in them. So if anyone wants to crush my toes, they can not. They cannot, because <laughs> they're steel toe. Um, and then I'm wearing really old Victoria's Secret underwear. Okay, that's all. Heck yeah. Good rundown. Um, starting off with my crusty vans that I got in Edmonton after tree planting. They've been through a lot. I very consistently wear one pair of shoes for literally everything in my life, so they're already getting holes in them. I'm wearing black socks that I probably stole from my brother. Um, I'm wearing these like black scrubs um, that I got from this very super underground place called Valley Village. You probably don't know it, but... um. Really, really, really hard to come by. Moving up, I'm wearing a long sleeve, just like black kind of shirt. It was from a dance competition. And like over top of that, I've got this really awesome like orange and red dyed um, shirt made by somebody like super locally. And it's like all reused material. So like that's super awesome. I love it so much. Kind of got some bit of patchwork on it. Got my Casio watch that I never leave the house without. If I do, I break down internally got my rings on necklace chain my grandmother's chain then i've got my earrings that i just made the other day with my friend maya they're little scorpions and my beanie which you will not see my head ever i have a beanie for every single occasion it's always on there whenever i see someone wearing something cool i always wonder the extent of which the outfit was planned or if it was something that was just thrown together in regards to queer style Historically, certain items of clothing were used as signaling to other queer people, especially where it wasn't safe to be openly queer. In a book titled Queer Style by Adam Zecchi and Vicky Carominas, dress frames the body. It expresses who we are and who we are not as a means of expressing identity and a way of interacting and belonging to a particular culture. The adoption of what is considered masculine or feminine clothing is a means of communicating membership of a particular group or the affirmation or rejection of an assigned rather than chosen gender. In this way, clothes are given value as a means of making a statement about individuality and a person's place in society. Clothes also play an important part in proclaiming a person's sexual and gender identity. If clothing is a form of nonverbal and visual codes which communicate certain characteristics or facts about the wearer, then the dress choices of alternative genders within a culture demonstrate a desire to be seen as someone else. For those in the queer community, style isn't just whether or not you look aesthetically good. Clothes play an important role in how someone feels, especially for those who weren't always able to wear what they felt the most comfortable in. I was curious to know if there was an intention in the way these two dress, or if they wanted to be perceived in a certain way based on what they were wearing. I do like uh, to plan out my outfits. It makes me feel like, like really uncomfortable if I'm wearing something that I don't like to be wearing in that moment. Like it kind of just ruins my whole day if I'm like, I wish I was wearing something else. Um, I really like wearing skirts. If anyone knows me, they know that I have skirts for all of the days um this one i like too because it's a mini skirt which means you can see my thigh tattoo which i never get to show off in the winter fall months so i'm excited to finally be able to do that um also these boots make me feel super powerful i don't know it's kind of weird being non-binary and also loving to wear skirts this much because i feel like i should want to present more 
masculine, but I feel just really good in feminine clothing. So that's why I like this outfit. Also, this t-shirt is really cool and I get compliments on it all the time. So that's also awesome. Um, like I kind of said before, I feel a lot of pressure to dress in a way that's going to portray to people that I am queer, non-binary, but usually because I like wearing such like feminine clothing, um, it ends up being the opposite, but I've made my peace with that. Uh, for the most part, I just wear what I dress intuitively. <laughs> I wear what makes me feel good in that moment. Uh, sometimes that's not always successful, but most of the time it is. I'd say you pretty much nailed it. Like, I would say something really similarly. Like, every day is super different. Um, I dress a little bit more masculine. Um, again, just like, I do plan my outfits. I do like to portray to the world that I'm queer and non-binary. Um, I think that's, like, super important. And, like, it helps me also, like, pick out similarities in other people around me. So, like... Um, I, I love it when I can seem approachable to like-minded and just, like, people who sh share similar things as I do, so. Fashion is just such an easier opportunity and, like, window to present yourself as queer without, like, verbally being, like, hey, I'm gay, because, like, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to have to be doing that, you know? Um, and just if I can, like, visually spot other people who would reciprocate their interest in me that I do in them, then it's awesome. But it's just not to say that it's bad because I'm not exactly sure where I stand on it because I do have a really hard time um, saying and limiting people from their choices and like self-expression and identity, especially because everything is becoming so mainstream and everybody has so much access to everything. Um, but it definitely does get confusing. It does. And it, I definitely have been in positions where I'm like flirting with someone and they're, I'm straight. And I'm like, cool, that, that's awesome. And it's just like, it, it's confusing. And it makes me want to approach people less after those interactions, which is just hard to navigate. Yeah, that's kind of where this whole idea came out of. It's just because me and Rachel were saying it makes it so much harder to approach people in an environment where it's already so hard to approach people as as queer individuals and like as a lesbian myself I am constantly so aware of like the predatory lesbian stereotype that I'm so tentative to approach people to compliment people um even in queer spaces and queer bars um which straight people are now infiltrating which is a whole other topic um but it's already so difficult to do those things because of all the pressures from society that we've been ingrained with and socialized with um, that I'm fighting against. And then, yeah, to have those experiences of someone being like, I'm actually straight when they're like emulating such like they're signaling with gay um, clothing. Um, and then it does. It discourages you from doing it again. And it's already something that, first of all, I rarely ever do. And it does corral queer people into online dating and stuff like that which is a great outlet but it's also super limiting like that's not necessarily how I want to make all my connections through tinder like that's not ideal for me I love to talk to people and to get to know people and to go out and have fun um and then yeah to first of all work up the courage to talk to them and work through the anxieties of of what are they going to think of me am I being predatory all these things and then also like I wake up the next morning with like such an existential dread I'm like do they want that attention from me even if they were queer I'm like did I ask them specifically all these things 
Um, so I think that's like a really real thing that needs addressing when when we're talking about straight people using queer fashion as as inspiration. Queer fashion is known to be kind of out there and experimental. The main point of queer fashion is that it challenges societal norms and is different. A quote taken from Them magazine in an article released on October 11th of 2021 titled, What is queer fashion anyway? The author writes, The bottom line is that queer fashion exists both in intention and aesthetic, both provided by a designer or wearer or both. This queerness, however, goes deeper than trends or archetypes. It is intersectional to other identities and, above all, carries the same multiplicity that makes fashion such an essential tool for expression. There is no single identifiable queer code or aesthetic for fashion because it, like queerness, contains a myriad of meanings and offers different readings to whoever carries or observes it. When something or someone is different, it's almost always met with judgment. So I wanted to know what their least favorite assumption of queer fashion was. Kind of like 20 years ago, probably like the way to fight social gender norms was like to go complete opposite. But like now mm -hmm. it's kind of like open where it's like that doesn't need to happen to like be presentingly queer with your fashion, like, you know, or to like escape like the male gaze. Yeah, everything that queer people do ever is a form of resistance um and i think that very much includes fashion so yeah my least favorite assumption is like if people don't find my like style appealing then chances are like you're probably not my targeted audience um and they might not think and like if i have things that like might not like quote unquote like go together that it's like a mistake or I just like don't care about what I'm wearing or like just because I dress super comfortably um or just like loose clothes just like for like masculine figure that it's just like oh they just love being comfortable when I actually have planned out my outfit and it's like there for a reason and I wake up and I like probably go through like four or five outfits every morning just being like yeah okay like I feel good in this one this one's good I look yeah yeah, my least favorite by far is the idea that queer people and gay fashion can ever be straight passing. Like, it's something that I deal with on the daily basis, just based on what I wear. Um, and I think it's, like, a common worry and a joke for sure, but also a joke born out of, like, very real feelings is that, like, when you go out in, like, quote-unquote, like, regular-looking clothes, then you're, like, straight passing. No one's going to know you're gay. If you're gay and you're wearing clothes, you are participating in queer fashion. Um, so I think that that assumption of like being straight passing is like super harmful and my least favorite thing ever. That's an awesome point. Thank you. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, and I think that a huge thing that we should recognize before moving forward in this conversation is that me and Rachel are both white, white. <laughs> and the way that we are able to express ourselves as queer people without the fear of violence is something that's very unique to being a white queer person to which so much of the broader queer experience is boiled down to um, and like singled out as as being a white experience in in like media so like that's how it's socialized to us I'm explaining this poorly but um, and a barrier for a lot of people um, who are people of color and queer or trans and queer um, is like they don't want to go out and be recognized as gay because that opens up such a huge 
door to violence for them, which is something that I am super privileged to not have to worry about when I talk about my fashion and when I talk about leaving the house. So it's great for us to be able to feel confident and happy leaving the house looking gay. Um, if you don't feel that way, if you don't want to feel that way, that is not taking away of your queerness whatsoever. It is what you're doing to protect yourself in that moment, so. Not everyone has the privilege to safely explore their sexuality and gender. To dress queer and to appear visibly different is not always met with kindness. For both Rachel and Lindsay, they grew up in places with practically no queer community. I'm from Nova Scotia, um, from Wolfville area, if you know where that is, like town of like 4,000 people, predominantly very white, very much. I had like, in my high school, I think there was one openly queer person and I don't even think they were I think it was very much subscribed onto them they are and they're open about it now but um but definitely a lot of unwanted negative attention and um I had a big straight phase (laughs) um just because it's just like and it like yeah coming here moving here two years ago I've I wouldn't say changed so much. I've just become, I've come into a place where it's safer for one to explore my sexuality and my gender. And I've been met with a lot more vocabulary to express it and ideas and other people who I can kind of like see myself in. And it's just like opened, opened it up and just like a lot more comfortable yeah same vibe for me I think me and Rachel talk about this a lot just about how homophobic our towns were because small town vibes um but I'm from the mainland um from like a small town called Maple Ridge um and like not really small in size or population but in mindset um like we still very much have like the confederate flag license plates and all that stuff the defacing of the one pride sidewalk they put uh, in town. Um, so I'm sure it's a little bit better now, but when I was going to high school, even like three years ago, it, um, was very much not a thing to be gay. Each year had like one white man that was like the designated gay person for that grade. Even if he wasn't gay, like they just picked one guy that didn't present masculine enough for them. And he was the gay person. Um, so much of my, energy and identity in high school was denying the allegations that I was gay based on what I was wearing and what I was saying um to a point where I did like fully flip my style to completely conform to what everyone else around me was wearing and saying and doing because I was so afraid of those labels because they were used on me all the time like and I wasn't even a person that was dressing entirely provocatively like it was just like if I wore baggy jeans one day um or like literally a plaid I would be titled a lesbian and it was used derogatorily against me. Um, So, so much of what I wore in high school was just shielding myself from those labels. And I was also like a bunch of internalized homophobia went into that because I was so, so, so afraid of being called those things because they were true. And I wasn't ready to face that yet. And it's really f***ed up that 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 was something that was forced upon me when I wasn't ready to talk about it yet. So I think in that way, like, Victoria is so much different. And also just coming here 
voluntarily um, when I'm much older um, has been freeing. But yeah, exploring my sexuality and my sexual identity through what I'm wearing um, was not something that I was allowed to do until I moved to Victoria. Um, and even in a place like this, you do still face a lot of a lot of unwelcome attention for dressing gay, but it's a lot less from where I was. And I don't know if I would have explored who I am to this extent, to this truest extent, if I didn't move here. Um, so for me, Victoria is a place of liberation. Um, once again, <laughs> I'm very privileged in saying that because it is a insanely white town um, that a lot of queer people of color would not feel comfortable exploring their identity in because it is so, so, so white. So I've seen my identity and like who I am and how I want to dress mirrored here a lot because there are a lot of people that I represent um, and represent me um, surrounding me. Um, that's not the case for everyone, but that's my experience with it. I wouldn't have explored my identity to this extent if I hadn't moved away from home. I even noticed I went home in August um, this summer and while I was there, I was like, whoa, this isn't me. I don't love the way that I'm acting right now too. Mm -hmm. And it's not even because going back, like I was met with inherently like homophobic or like any pushback, um, which like, yeah, a little bit, but that's not like why it was just like, I just genuinely didn't like looking around. I didn't see any, like, I don't know. I just like, wasn't even like a possibility that it existed. And therefore, like, I didn't exist there as that version of myself. But then I realized after coming here, I was like, oh, it's because, like, I didn't even think that non-binary was a possibility. I didn't know what it was. I didn't, I knew kind of concepts and I knew that, like, but, and same with even, like, being gay. I was like, oh, that, that's an option. Like, that's me, you know? So I think that's really interesting. Yeah, like what you said about it not existing, like it didn't exist. Gay didn't exist and it wasn't talked about. There was no space to talk about being gay. There was no space to be gay. So there was no space for me. This is the reality for many in the LGBTQ community, which is why it can be frustrating to see queer style being co-opted by individuals who are not aware of the history of the prejudice of being associated with appearing queer. So I asked them for their thoughts on why queer style is trendy now and what it means for non-queer people to follow these trends. Because it's cool, because <laughs> we're cool and we're here and just like unapologetic, I suppose. I love honestly kind of the absurdity of it. I think that's been a huge trend lately um, on TikTok and like Instagram and stuff is just like queer people putting like random, can I swear, is that a love? People putting like a random on their bodies that might be clothing that might not be clothing like cutting it all up um and i think that it just is really mirroring how we're viewing our own sexuality and our own identity just kind of like a mess of stuff that fits or doesn't fit and needs to be altered and just styling it in a way that makes us feel happy and good and i think that's like really been emerging in queer fashion lately and i really enjoy seeing it there's definitely no better feeling than, like, when you're about to leave the house and you're like, I look gay as f right now. Yeah. And it's just, like, super great feeling. Um, and, again, yeah, just, like, the ability to express yourself um, is super awesome. And just, like, there's so many different styles within kind of, like, a campy style also. Um, and it's just, like, 
awesome. It's like way more appealing for me to like look at in myself and also just like in public and around. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's cool. I like that piece. That's really interesting. And like people get creative with it. And a lot of the time, like end up making their own pieces and like getting really into that. And by that, it's just like an extension of themselves. And I really, I appreciate that. Yeah, the sense of identity, I think, is huge with queer huge. fashion and how we relate to each other as queer people, too. Like, when a gay person compliments me on my outfit, it's, like, so rewarding. <laughs> and I feel like we just derive a lot of community from that. I think that it might be, like, under the facade of being, like, liberatory and like mm -hmm. now there's like an acceptance of queer lifestyles and queer people are allowed to go out and whatever they want and people are starting to recognize that queer people are actually like super cool and have a lot of great style devices that they like to use but in the broader sense of it isn't it a form of queer erasure like isn't it like taking something that makes us distinctively queer um and appropriating it to not mean that anymore and in that way it's it's erasing what we used to use to signal to one another and to form that community. Um, so maybe that's an intentional consequence, maybe not. It's, it's hard to like tell people not to do something, especially when like it is so subjective and fashion is a like, like identity. Like, you know, it helps to form your place um, in, in your space, right? I fully agree that it's intentions that matter too because me and a straight person can be wearing the exact same thing and I can be wearing it like I said straight passing I hate the idea we can be wearing the exact same thing and I can be gay and they cannot be gay and for me it's gay fashion and for them it's not gay fashion um so there's definitely like super subjective lines there the amount of times that I've heard oh my god I look like I look so gay today or I look like a dyke today um from straight people and it was also used against me in high school like I would show up to high school like in a plaid this I wasn't out in high school just as a backstory um and people were like you look like a dyke you look like a lesbian um all these things like weaponizing the use of the word and now the same people are going out wearing the exact same stuff I was wearing in high school and it's become cool it's become like a fashion statement for stuff that I was bullied for wearing um so I feel like that part of it is something that bothers me so it's totally intentions um and yeah you're right locating yourself and just being aware of of what you're wearing and how it affects people and what it means for you and honestly maybe those three people that are wearing gay styles gay fashions that is that their way of exploring se their sexual identity which is something that i never want to discourage so there is it's so 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 subjective Well, definitely, as a world, we're way more connected, and we can see so many other people and all, and we have, like, a sense of community with people who aren't necessarily in our direct space, and by that, things like travel, and also with um, just social movements in general. Yeah, I totally think it's, like, a wider acceptance of queer lifestyles in general, for sure, that have allowed queer people the space to step forward and even represent their styles without fear of violence. Um, which before wasn't really an option um, on an individual level. Um, I also, it is the efforts of all the queer activists and queer people that came before us that fought for our rights to be able to go outside and what we like to wear, what makes us happy and comfortable and not have to worry about that violence um, as much. 
Um, but yeah. If you want to do the work in like unpacking yourself and your beliefs and your outlook on your surroundings, then yeah, by all means, like explore that. Be conscious and aware of like potential harm that you might be doing or um, yeah, and just again, it comes back to intentions. If you're wanting to be, like educate yourself, then I think it makes those who are queer um, and identify as so more open to it. That's kind of the main thing is like educate yourself, please. You, the What you're wearing and how you're presenting yourself does not exist in a vacuum. And just because you don't have to think about it doesn't mean that we haven't had to think about it. Um, and doesn't mean that certain people have to think about it to an extent where it's their safety and well-being that's going to be determined by what they're wearing. Um, so I think that, yeah, if you want to do the work, educate yourself. I'd be happy to answer questions about my experience, which is going to be very limited because most of my identity is very much structured around privilege. Um, I suggest that everyone take a gender studies class. I think that it should be a requirement upon entering university um, just to realize um, what, how your actions affect other demographics of people. Um, and as long as you're aware of that and you're not causing harm to people, I don't really care what anyone does, honestly, <laughs> like at all. I will refer to you however you want. I will talk to you. I will interact with you as long as you are not harming anyone and as long as you are aware of the impact your actions have. The concept of safe spaces is an important theme in this episode. Defined by Miriam Webster, a safe space is intended to be free of bias, conflict, criticism, or potentially threatening actions, ideas, or conversations. Gay and lesbian bars were created to provide a meeting place for LGBTQ people. However, while these safe spaces were intentionally created for certain demographics, these boundaries aren't always followed. I asked them how they felt about other groups entering their safe spaces. Oh my god, just the amount of times where you've been out at gay bars and group of straight women and like these are all instances where it's been confirmed and they've been with like one of their gay friends and stuff like that um we're not just assuming people's sexualities based on what's happening it was like confirmed instances of being straight and which is super harmful to me like that's our safe space and then to like bring people who who we're trying to get away from into that space is not cool for me, I think my quarrels with it is I do think that there are instances that though individuals, like straight individuals, are welcome into those spaces, but um, again, to be mindful of their actions while in those spaces, and also, it's also the language outside of those spaces, I'll be like, I've heard a lot of um, friends just like talk about gay bars downtown and how like, oh, they're so much cuter than the straight bars. Oh, they're so much cooler than the straight bars. Um, let's go there. I want to go there. And it's kind of like, that's not the point. It's They're not there for commodity. They're there as a safe space. And it just, by proxy, just so happens that just the space is something that appeals to them. 
um, yeah. but in like a harmful way. That's such a good point. Um, like that happened to me sitting in the library like a few weeks ago, and it was just a group of um, a group of people talking about friends of Dorothy's and just like they were like oh my gosh have you ever heard of this like it's so cute like pulling up pictures and stuff they're like oh my god it's like a it's like a gay bar that's so cute um and like they're like oh my god it has pictures of like RuPaul in it there's drag queens here and stuff like that and I'm not here to assume that their sexuality was straight just based on what they were saying and how they were talking about it that's the vibe that I got from them um, and if they weren't, I would seriously encourage them to unpack how they talk about things that they identify with. Um, but in that sense, it just made me feel like I was a commodity in that sense. And I feel like that is very much being mirrored with the way people are talking about queer fashion. Like the way that people are talking about queer spaces and queer fashion is the same. It's commodified. Um, and it's seen as like cute and trendy, like my sexuality isn't a trend my identity isn't a trend um just because you can take it on and off just because you can step into and out of these spaces doesn't mean that everyone can there are consequences that come along with the cute clothes and the cute bars that aren't so cute and when you're talking about it in that way it's completely ignorant of that side of the experience um that being said I don't know if I necessarily agree that there are reasons that straight people should be in gay bars you have spaces that are safe for you already um, but I know there's a lot of nuance in that around women going into bars with super creepy dudes. And like, I understand that you want to get away from that too. And I want to be supportive of that. Um, so again, super nuanced topic. And I'm not sure where I have a stand on it right now. I need to do a bit more thinking. Um, but if you are a straight person in those spaces, again, it's all about intentions and it's all about how you've educated yourself, um, and how you are placing yourself in those spaces. Even with queer spaces, a lot of queer spaces are still very much predominantly queer spaces for men. White. And like gay, white, white gay, gay men. men, which is problematic in itself, which is great. I'm so happy that they have those spaces, but it's hard to find spaces that are other demographics in the queer community. Yeah, I know. It's funny that we're talking about this and I'm like, it's so hard to approach, you know, lesbians and, and queer people in bars because I don't know if they're actually queer. Um, but where are they? When in reality, I'm not seeing that many. You know? like, I'm going to these like specifically gay bars too and I'm only seeing white gay men. It's us. We hit on our friends Yeah, that's about it. You know what? And also talking about safe spaces, I will mention that these are safe spaces for us again white queers so you know we face a little bit of of pushback from larger society and homophobia and misogyny in that way but there's also no safe spaces outside of these places for like bipoc queer people because for a lot of them even if you're in a queer space that's still not a safe space right um so i again just always drawing attention back to the fact that this is all information coming from from white queer people, which is not the universal experience, even though it's been painted as the universal experience. Well said, well said. This is a super important point that they brought up. And to be honest, even being a person of color myself, sometimes I don't even fully realize the significant lack of safe spaces for BIPOC individuals, especially queer BIPOC individuals, just because we're so used to not having any of these spaces made for us. So I wanted to make sure that I included BIPOC queer voices into this discussion. 
I interviewed Noel Cosman, an African-American-born Canadian who recently graduated from UVic and is now working in the fashion industry in Vancouver. I find it interesting that like celebrities like Harry Styles or white celebrities that like are queer to an extent are gaining all this notoriety for like being free with their fashion, wearing certain things, where as like BIPOC people have been doing it for such a long time and have not achieved that wide of acclaim. Like Harry Styles is like known as this fashion icon and like even straight people very much idolize him, but it's like BIPOC people have been doing it forever. They've been doing it well forever too. Like they've been doing it a really good job, but they don't receive half as much notoriety. Stay tuned to part two of this episode to listen to my interview with Noel and more thoughts from Rachel and Lindsay. This episode was produced by Zia Rahino with help from Nicola Watts. Thank you to our guests, Lindsay Skelton and Rachel Lee. This program would not have been possible without the support of the University of Victoria and the work-study program. Intertrack produced by Zia Rahino. If you like what you heard, check out other episodes of You in the Ring and subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Mullets, 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 <laughs> mullets, mullets. So many mullets. Cuff jeans of like, oh, I hope they know. I think it was very popular topic in like the bi community. Oh, cuff jeans. And then also like stereotypical lesbians with their carabiners on their jeans. Because, um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's what um, I'm thinking. Granola lesbians. Yeah, like, yeah. Everyone wearing like their fleeces, their Patagonias, their f***ing... Sorry. Oh, wait, that's loud. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they're, um, yeah, they're carabiners um, and, like, beanies. Beanies everywhere. Be- I'm looking at one right now. Tiny hat right here. Um, so many of those, um, which, you know what, is honestly a look lesbians co-opted from, like, outdoorsy hikers in the first place, so can't really claim that one. But, yeah, that's definitely the style for sure is, is mullet gay and granola gay. Yeah. For sure around Mm -hmm. here.